be absolutely blown away. Mullion Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I don't know if you consider it a developing story, David, or a continuing story, but the Chicago Bears have the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, and Adam Schefter uh, tweeted out this morning that they've had a lot of approaches from a lot of different teams, and uh, it's believed that they're going to trade that pick. Yeah, it's enjoyable to poke fun at that because of, it seems obvious to anyone paying attention in Chicago, but I do respect the fact that they have to document this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so from his perspective, this is what he's hearing. It is the first day of what is combine week in the NFL, so it's like a convention. And there's a lot of conversation, as you know, Molly, when you have – agents and coaches and executives and prospects all in the same vicinity. You're going to get stories like this, and I think this is a good place to start. So if this is our baseline, let's let's go with that. It's a developing story. The Bears more likely to trade the pick. Thank goodness that this is the rhetoric. Thank goodness that this is something there to be evaluated and, and put into context because it's much better than the alternative. It would have been a very disappointing and even – disturbing if they would have been well we're considering trading Justin Fields the uh the I'll just read the actual tweet which is sources calling the Bears have already been approached by multiple teams about trading the draft's number one overall pick and Chicago is said to be quote leaning toward close quote moving the pick so the number one pick now looks like it's for sale so that's I mean again you're right. I mean, this is developing news. This is happening. He also tweeted out uh, Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter, considered one of the top players in this year's draft, will not participate in the workout portion of this week's combine, but will do the interviews with teams and the physical. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus and Ryan Martha, told teams that Carter will work out at Georgia on their pro day March 15th. See? I think that's smart if you're Jalen Carter. Yeah. You don't have anything to do except for you can go down. Your stock is skyrocketed for good reason. You watch the tape, and there's very good reason. Also, great story if you're a Jalen Carter fan on The Athletic. Bruce Feldman over the weekend took a deep dive into Jalen Carter, addressing some of the, I feel like, premature and unfair um, reports or analysis about his character concerns, football character concerns put out there by Todd uh, McShay during the bowl season. I'm not sure that was all that responsible when you took, when you look a little bit deeper. But, hey, everyone's going to have their opinions on these prospects. We don't know who they are until they actually arrive in your, in your franchise. But, yeah, I think, Molly, the Bears being open for business, not a shock. The bigger question is, number one, who can make them the best deal? And, secondly, when will that deal be made? Yeah, I think that to me it would be the news of the whole thing. It, it, you know, exactly when do you get a deal done? Are you looking to? Get, are you looking for something that could be delivered now? If you're if you're at the combine and you get an offer, would you make a move or do you wait because more teams could have more stuff? Like, do you establish? You're asking me. I'm asking if, if I'm Ryan Poles. If you're Ryan Poles, sitting next to him. Do you establish what you want and? take it when it's offered or do you want to create some kind of free-for-all and then have the danger of not being able to make okay it? let's take the hypothetical that daniel jeremiah of the nfl network pro- proposed yes last week during a teleconference which had a full of fascinating stuff a lot of nuggets 
uh, Daniel Jeremiah's uh, talks to a lot of people. All mm-hmm. right, so I would be inclined to let's let's go get uh, Jim Irsay and and Chris Ballard in the room, and let's talk to if Jim Irsay wants to be involved. <laughs> And let's talk to him about making a deal for the number four spot because I think that is realistic. The Texans, they may be taking time to figure things out. They may want to wait till next year. They may not. There, there's some reports out of Houston that may, they may not want to draft a quarterback after all. Maybe they'll take somebody else and they'll, they'll live with what they have. I think the Colts, hypothetically, what Daniel Jeremiah said, if they're going to give you their fourth pick overall, the 35th pick overall in the second round, a first-rounder next year and a second-rounder next year? Okay, I've got four bodies to move down three spots. I'm doing that, and I'm asking if we can consummate that deal today. So, I don't think I'm going to get much better than that, Molly. Yeah, but, I mean, so what you're saying is that you would move the pick as soon as you got what you wanted or what you felt was a good offer. I it, think that I would because you, I don't yeah. know how Because you're, you're not holding an open – uh, kind of uh, a, a auction of some sort. I know the counter to that will be, well, we wait until the last possible moment because you'll get a deal that is even better. I don't know how realistic that is. I don't know if it's unrealistic, but my sense would be you're not going to get much better of an offer than to get a second, a high second round pick this year, a future first rounder, a future second rounder, and the ability to still get at four one of the two defensive linemen that I think are going to make a huge impact on somebody's team next year as a rookie. Yeah, that's pretty good. So that would be my inclination right now. Now, maybe somebody has a better offer to move up higher. Maybe the Carolina Panthers want to offer you even more than that. I I would certainly do my due diligence. I would make a call to the Panthers. Hey, this is my deal. Can you do better than this? I would call you know, the Texans. This is what I'm getting. Could you do better than this? My sense would be it would be hard to do better than that. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting. I think the only way you would do better than that is if you if you came to the conclusion that you didn't want to be in the top five, that you it didn't matter if you got one of those uh, two defensive players that are believed to be uh, the type of guys that can you can build a team around, right? So the idea is if you trade down and you still get a guy who would, would be – Maybe someone you'd draft number one overall if you got stuck. Would you not want to do that because you'd gain more and you'd still get the guy you want? Alternatively, say that, you know, Carolina, where are they at? Nine? Yeah. They want to move up and get a quarterback. They offer you, you know, a, a the number nine pick, a second round pick, and then a couple future number ones, 24, 25 number ones. Do you jump at that? because it's three first-round picks and a second th- this year. I mean, and I'm not saying that's the offer they'd make, but I'm asking, is that what you're holding out for? Well, would you go even of, lower? Of course. I don't would know you go lower, lower for, for future number one picks? But it, you'd get a top 10 pick this year, mm-hmm. right? You want to stay not in the top 10. Not the guy 10. you want, but I, a good player. Don't you, you want to stay in the top players. five? Um, Don't you listen, want to stay in the top five? You know, what I want is to stay at number one overall and still get like five <laughs> first-round picks. That, Realistically. So what you want and what you get are completely different And I guess questions. the reason why I'm more inclined to, again, leaning in a direction is different than pulling the trigger. I'm leaning in the direction of wanting to make a move that gives me a, a future first-round pick and it allows me to still pick in the top five this year. 
because this year's draft allows me the luxury of having to choose ideally between, and right now everything could change, but ideally between two real impactful rookie defensive linemen. So I don't want to go much lower than that, even though the number nine offer with the Panthers may end up being more in terms of future picks volume. Yes. And and that may be a little foolish way to look at it. I, I feel a little greedy right now if I'm the Bears. I feel very needy because I need so much. I want to act quickly because I also want to don't I don't want to waste my time in the, my, my pre-draft preparation trying to look at things where you have to consider everything. I want to narrow this focus a little bit. I, but again, if you're I, Ryan I Poles, you. You, you, what you're doing is you hope to come out of this week with a the best offer, and then then you take that and you shop that with other teams you're you're willing to make a deal I, with. I I think the earliest you make a trade, I, I, and it doesn't matter if I'm going to get what I want. I, I mean, if someone blows your socks off, you could make a deal now. But I think you try to wait till a, till a week before the draft, a week before. Okay. That way, if if you get what you want and you feel good about it. Okay, a week before the draft, you make that deal. You don't have to be on the clock. I wouldn't want to be on the clock. I wouldn't want to. Be I hope they that. don't. Yeah, I think you. Need I wouldn't to trust do them to do that. A couple days. I, that you, sounds terrible. But I think that's one of the reasons why. A couple why. days before the draft, preferably like a week before the draft, just because that would straighten out what you actually oh. have and how you're going to pick them. So tell me why this might be a bad idea, and I'm, I'm open to the possibility because again, we're just talking yeah. this out. No, I. I ideally would want to know before going into free agency where I'm going to draft and what I have moving forward. I would want to know before I invest some of the $100 million that I have under the salary cap, maybe what to expect not only in this draft, but in future drafts and what my needs might be. I know you don't want to go into free agency ever from a position of need or you want to do want to draft that way. I guess free agency is more about need. Draft is more about the best player available. But I would want to know what I would need going into free agency even more than I do right now. So I might be more inclined to make a deal before March 13th. And that is early because you're not on the clock. Theoretically, you're on the clock right now, but it's not ticking very loudly. But still, you would know what you have and you would make a deal going into free agency so you would be very clear about where everything stands. Do do you see any value in waiting for free agency to start and seeing who's on the market and who you could get that would eliminate your need to get someone in the draft? I would hope not. Okay. I think you're inevitably going to draft according to what you have in free agency. But specifically, if you're talking about defensive linemen. That's what I'm talking about. I think that if 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 your evaluation shows you that Jalen Carter is the one player you cannot miss on, I'm still going to be – willing to pay a defensive lineman in free agency. Likewise, if I'm convinced Will Anderson is the edge rusher that I have to have, I'm still not going to stay away from an edge rusher in free agency. I might not overpay him or be willing to to you know break the bank if I think I'm going to get Will Anderson, but or if I get that pass rusher, I still might take Will Anderson. Yeah, you need two. You need two, and also you're drafting more about the future and free agency often is about the, the immediate. Right now. But the but the problem is there are some younger players that could be in the free agent market that would make you better immediately, and then you could add draft picks to it, right? There are there are a lot of um, of decent pass rushers in this draft. There are a lot of guys 
there's there is when you when you really look at it, it's deep in pass rushes, mm-hmm. it's deep in tight ends. You know, you can get they need a lot, and you can get a lot of the things that you want out of this draft. It's just one of the questions is how are you going to fill in the blanks beforehand so that you can kind of make sure that you're the, the, whatever you're not going to get in the draft, you get in free agency. Let's face it. Where the Bears are in their roster building and their yeah. rebuild, yeah. the only position that we're talking about that it would apply to this kind of logic where if you signed a free agent, you wouldn't draft one as quarterback. Yeah, I think that's the only position, Mully. If you went out and you I, signed, okay, th- I would again. argue you should draft a quarterback no matter what. Well, I, you know, but not with the first no, round no, pick. No, no, no. That's what the, I guess. That's what yeah, I'm talking about. Okay, okay. With your first round pick, with your value selection, yes. With the one thing that you've been, you know, meeting and plotting and waiting for all winter long. Yeah. The only way that that's going to be affected in, by free agency is if you sign Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah. I don't or sign a quarterback. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. No, they're not doing so that. So any other position I think that yeah. you want to be oblivious to they're not related. So if you go out and you sign um you're right. a, a defensive tackle, a cornerback, a, a, a linebacker, an offensive tackle, you're still gonna be willing to draft the best available offensive tackle. If they sign Orlando Brown, are they gonna stay away from Peter Skronsky if they're at nine? No. Well, I hope not. I mean You wouldn't, would you? I, not me. No, so so you stockpile premium positions. You want to get those guys who are at the top of your board, regardless yeah. of what else you have. You wouldn't do that at quarterback because it's more of an immediate practical approach to that position because of what it means. But the others, I, that involves roster building and taking a big picture approach to every decision you make. 312-644-6767. Let's try Kevin. Kevin is, uh, is on with Mully and Hall. Hey, Kevin. Hey guys, how you guys doing? Good. Hey, you know, a lot of people come up with these trade scenarios and uh, I'm just going to be quick. They just don't add up to what the first pick is worth. You know, the first pick is worth 3,000 points. Mm -hmm. For example, if the Bears were to trade with the Seattle Seahawks, it would legitimately come up, this would come up to 3,073 points. The fifth pick, the 20th pick, and their first second round pick, because they have two second round picks. It would take five twenty and a second round you're, pick. You're so operating off. Would, you're operating off the old Jimmy Johnson uh, thing, right? That's what you're well, doing. Well, no, I'm oper- off the newer one that they have. Well, it's just similar, you know. But hearing that you're going to get a two and a future one and maybe a four in this year's draft to drop down three or four spots, I just don't think when there's seven and eight teams bidding. For example, the Bears overpaid because Green Bay was in on the Claypool. You know. Texas is not just going to sit there and just let Indianapolis jump in front of them. You, you get what I'm saying? I, I do they're get what you're saying, but you're assuming a lot. I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that they're going to be willing to pay what you're asking for. You got to be realistic in your demands, and I don't know if expecting all you're suggesting is is realistic. Going to get more than what all these people are saying they're, they're, that's being offered. They're just it, it doesn't add up. Well, it's it, it adds up to me. They, I appreciate the phone call. Kevin, it adds up because, again, we're making leaps here. We're not talking to these executives. But Daniel Jeremiah is from the NFL Network. This is what he devotes his his job to. Right. And if he's suggesting that this is a commensurate exchange or good a a reasonable offer in terms of, and it may not add up on on the trade charts, but every it's like inflation. The value of something changes. 
you know, what my what my house is worth today is not what it was worth last year and what it will be worth next year. Mm-hmm. Every year brings a different value to the marketplace. I don't know what the number one pick is going to dra- draw this year, but based on the suggestions by Daniel Jeremiah, none of them really met the threshold that that uh, Kevin was suggesting. Well, well, the problem from what Jeremiah said, the problem is that that so many teams have overpaid for the first overall draft pick uh, over the years that without that player that everybody wants at number one, and maybe that develops, but without that, you're not going to get the same value that other teams have gotten. So that's my point. Yeah, you can't. You have to be able to to say this is what I want. This is what I'll settle for. But it's not what other teams have gotten in the past because there isn't the Joe Burrow, the you know the the maybe Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams but, isn't in this yes, draft. Exactly. If exactly. Caleb Williams were in this draft, then you'd be this entire the conversation same, right. would be different. Right. This entire offseason would be different. Your de- your. your your desire as a Chicago Bear fan and as Ryan Poles, the general manager, would be different. Yes. You would be more willing to you know, make a change at quarterback, to, to, to be in a position to draft somebody that might be considered a generational talent. But that's why the value this year is open for debate. And, and the marketplace changes. That's why when Daniel Jeremiah suggested the three different scenarios, moving to second, moving to fourth, moving to ninth on Friday when he had the teleconference. They were reasonable exchanges. Would you move down one spot? This is one of the things he said. Uh, if you move down one spot with Houston, you would get, obviously, you know, the, their pick, the 33rd pick in the draft, their, their second-round pick, and, uh, and a 2024-second a 20, round. Would that you, would that you to make, me is not enough. That's not enough to move down. Okay. That's not enough because I think you could get more out of that. I think the Colts deal would be better. And I just uh, – the only way I would do that, Molly, is if I got to number two and I anticipated with my well, research making another deal He, he said moving down again. He said the Colts would give you uh, their, their number four pick, which you want, right? Mm-hmm. A second-round pick and then a first and a second next year. Yeah. That's, you'd make that move. That's a deal I would be inclined yes. to make because I think that you're talking about three additional bodies, contributors, impact players, okay. and it, over the next two years, and including one this year, which is top 50 pick. Would you go to nine, get that pick along with the 39th pick, and then a first rounder in 24 and 25? That's what he suggested. I would, I would think that would be the second best scenario. I would still okay. be reluctant only because if I'm convinced and fixated that this year I'm going to get a, a generational talent. I hesitate to use that word, but it's thrown around in, in the top five. If I stay there and I'm getting either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, I would be reluctant to move to nine because of what that would mean. Let's try uh, Ryan and Carol Stream. Hey, Ryan. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, just a quick comment that something you said earlier that kind of struck me a bit was you were talking about Houston versus Indianapolis for the trade, but the comment was that Houston may be happy, maybe not necessarily happy, but may want to stick with what they have and wait till next year, and I assume you meant that in regards to a quarterback. Right. If that's true and the, and the Bears go to number four, then there's the risk of losing. Yeah, you could lose Carter and Anderson. So I guess my question is, 
how how much do you believe the Bears really are convicted to want one of those two versus maybe having to to go with somebody else if that were to happen? So that's your risk of going to four. So I'm just kind of curious, your guys. Thanks, Ryan. On that. Thanks, it's a really Ryan. good question. I don't think there's any way to know right now. We assume that defense is their number one priority, but if you're at number four and both those guys theoretically are off the board, then you might be inclined to move down to a team that is fixated on the quarterback position because that would mean only one quarterback was taken at that spot. Somebody's going to want to take the second one, and then you're willing to move down because you just lost out in your defensive lineman, and maybe you move back to take an offensive tackle. The, the problem the problem that you have is that you, unless you know, part of the draft is figuring out what every other team is going to do and what teams around you are going to do. The other part of it is you don't want to draft a guy at number four that could fall to number nine. You don't want to draft a guy at number four that could be a fourth, a fourth number 14. And that's why so, if the guys, if they're yeah. gone, the linemen are gone, you run the risk of, of, of right. drafting that player at four that's still going to be there at nine. So you're more willing to go back. Yeah, that, that is part of the, Trade of down the again. calculus of a, of a draft, just yeah. figuring out who wants what and how the numbers work in your favor or against you. And no matter who they move back to draft, no matter who they end up taking, you know that it's going to be – uh, somebody that makes him say, I can't believe he was still on the board. It seems like Patrick Kane is gone, by the way. It seems like that deal's been done. Kaner is uh, is at home. He's come back from the uh, the road trip uh, early, presumably to pack. We'll bring in Charlie Rumeliotis and ask him about it next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. All I know is, uh, you know, just to manage the roster here tonight is uh, both Kane and Lafferty are unavailable. And uh, that's really all I got. I don't know anything else other than uh, trying to, you know, jumble the lines together here and uh, special teams to try and get ready for tonight. There are reports that he's left the team headed back to Chicago. Yeah, he has left uh, this morning. Yeah, he was with uh, the team yesterday, but uh, as of today, he's uh, flown back to Chicago, I think, just until the situation rectifies itself either way. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that's Luke Richardson, the Blackhawks coach, uh, alerting the media to the fact that Patrick Kane is uh, is held out and no longer with the team. He came back to Chicago in the, before the game with San Jose, and uh, there is reportedly a deal with the New York Rangers that is awaiting Patrick Kane's approval and... Uh, and he has the no movement clause. We know that. We're delighted to welcome in Charlie Rumeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. He's done a, a great job covering this and informing us, among others, of what the heck's happening. Charlie, good morning. Charlie joins us on the Score Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hey, Charlie. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? Doing you well. know, I, I feel bad. I, I mean, I, I, you know, now that it's here, now that a trade is upon us, I just kind of, well, why are they doing that? And I know why they're doing it, and I understand the need to, to get something for a guy that's going to be gone. And who knows? Maybe they double back and bring him back, but I doubt it. I think when a guy leaves, you got to count on not having him again. And it's a sad day if indeed this is it. Yeah, I feel like reality is setting in. Like we we've known going into the year that this was going to be a possibility as we get closer to the March 3rd trade deadline, but until it actually happens, um, it doesn't really set in. So when we know we got word that Patrick Kane flew back home in Chicago and 
I walk into the San Jose or the locker room in San Jose and you don't see 88 stall there. It really felt weird. Like it was kind of just, you know, it's happening, but it hasn't officially happened yet. So Charlie, what are we waiting for officially as, as much as you can streamline it and, and make it clear for people to understand if they have an agreement in principle and we know Patrick Kane has identified from reports the Rangers is the only team he will you know, permit to be traded to. What are we waiting for? <laughs> yeah, it, we're basically waiting on the finances because as of right now, the New York Rangers cannot fit Patrick Kane's cap hit under the book. Um, to, to simplify it, everyone has a cap number, right? Patrick Kane's is $10.5 million. But if you... It's basically an accruing daily cap hit. So Patrick Kane's cap hit of $10.5 million, stretch that over the course of however many regular season days uh, there are in the NHL. I think Kane's daily cap hit is $57,000. So by the day, the Blackhawks are eating $57,000 of that cap hit, and the Rangers are accruing that cap space. So they made a few moves over the weekend where they traded Vitaly Krasov. They put a... Uh, Jake LeCision on waivers to kind of open up these roster spots. And they actually played two players short in the game yesterday so they can fit Kane under the book. So the earliest the deal can happen um, appears to be Wednesday, although the one little wrinkle is uh, Keandre Miller left the game. He got ejected yesterday for uh, spitting on a player. I don't think it was intentional, but he could get suspended for it. And if he does get suspended for it, it might have to be pushed back to Thursday where a Kane deal gets announced. So that's essentially, it feels like we're what we're waiting on. Wow, that is, that's unbelievable. And I, you know, I agree with what, what you're saying here. I think we knew it was inevitable, um, but you're not going to get a lot. They've given up a lot of draft capital already. Um, what would you get in a deal like that? Yeah, I would uh, really temper expectations on what the return is going to be like. Um, a few weeks ago, obviously, the Rangers went out and acquired Vladimir Tarasenko, and that was supposed to be their big move, right? They had kind of mentally moved on from Kane, but once they got word that Kane was interested in them and he was basically the only top destination, the Rangers just kind of were like, okay, well, I guess we got to try to make Patrick Kane work. So they're, they're moving mountains right now to try to make the money work. But knowing that Chicago only has the Rangers to deal with, they're, um, they're, they're probably not going to get a first-round pick, honestly, unless it right. comes with a condition that the Rangers reach the, the conference final or the Stanley Cup final and, and Kane plays an X amount of games. So um, if it doesn't come with that condition, I just don't think the Blackhawks are going to outright get a first-round pick for him. I get how tricky that becomes because Patrick Kane maintains the leverage and they want to do right by him. But I also wonder this, Charlie, and I know until he's traded, he's not. So let's explore every possibility, even the slim ones. So if you're Kyle Davidson and you're looking at, you've got nine picks in the first two rounds over the next two drafts, you're, you're in pretty good shape in terms of the rebuild. You're, things are going pretty well. He has made some pretty smart trades. I think you got to give Kyle Davidson some credit. So why wouldn't he consider going to Patrick Kane and saying, okay, Kaner, we want to do right by you, but we also want to keep you here. Let's work out an extension. Let's make sure that this is the way we're going to go. And you do that instead of trading him to the Rangers. Yeah, I guess my question was, what would that extension be like? Would it be a one-year extension? You kind of kick the can down the road to next year? Or would it be, hey, just you know, be here for... Because I wonder too, David, if, if the Blackhawks are ready to kind of just move on as well, right? Like, I, I don't know if they... Um, if you're in a position much... to where you want to draft Connor Bedard... 
and you don't think that a guy like Patrick Kane can help you develop a player of that caliber, I think you're missing the point. He could definitely. I think if you're Kyle Davidson, you see value in a, a multi-year deal, even though Patrick Kane is 34 years old. We have seen the last Sunday at the at the United Center a hat trick. He's still playing at a very high level. <laughs> yeah, I actually agree, and and I think you look to you risk not having the kind of culture that the Blackhawks really instilled over those cup years. Right, like I even look at like a, some teams around the league, Vancouver. I mean, they got a lot of young, good players, core players, but they haven't won anything. And they're really, I mean, they've kind of everyone's kind of questioning what what the makeup of that locker room, right? So you risk if you don't have Patrick Kane moving forward and Jonathan Taves or whatever, you're you're expecting that this new core is going to be or you know try to transition into the new phase. But like, yeah, I totally agree. Like having a guy like Patrick Kane around, I just don't know to you know. Now that Patrick Kane, the Band-Aid, is probably going to be ripped off of him going to the Rangers. Um, I just don't see him coming, wanting to come back to Chicago unless the circumstances are really right. So that would probably be down the road, not necessarily this summer. Where's Sam Lafferty going? What? Why, what I, I don't want to tie the two of them together, but that's a little odd. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Lafferty is, is packaged with, um, I don't know if it's Kane, uh, just because of how much the finances have would have to work for the Rangers right now. Um, but I wonder if he could be a potential package with Jake McCabe. Um, you know, we're looking at teams around the league. Uh, Toronto acquired Ryan O'Reilly, but they also acquired Noel Achari. And then Boston acquired Dimitri Orloff, but they also acquired Garnett Hathaway. So that we're seeing these package deals to kind of enhance the return for the teams that are trading away those players. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that's what the Blackhawks are trying to explore. If there, there's a possibility to package McCabe and Lafferty to try to secure a, a, a concrete first-round pick. Well, Jack Johnson's going back to Colorado. They're doing right by him. Hey, Kyle Davidson is making all of his players uh, happy. I suppose that's good because it sends a message around what, the league. Oh, but what, that is, what was that trade? That was like a straight-up swap of two guys that have almost identical statistics. I think that was more to help Jack Johnson out, right, Charlie? Didn't you think that was a nod to him as much as anything? Yeah, no question. I think it was more so just a doing doing right by the player, nothing really more to it. Which is great. I think it's terrific. But, but like, how does it benefit? At one point, I I, at some point, I do want Kyle Davidson to make a deal that you know puts the Blackhawks' interests ahead of the players' individual, you know, sentimental journeys. I, I get it. I guess I, I'm just frustrated, Charlie, because you know what? I do not want this trade to happen with Patrick Kane, even though I know that I fear that it's inevitable and you can't stop it now. I think it would be different if Jack Johnson was more of a prominent player, but I think that the most you probably would have been able to get for him is like a sixth round pick. So, you know, at that point, it's just like, okay, let's just send him wherever and, and we'll try to, you know, get the, the higher round picks with some of the players that will move. So um, I think that's the thought. Like, I just don't know if there was a really big market for him. Okay. Meanwhile, I have to ask this. Me, what happened on the way to the tank? They've won five in a row, Charlie. If they, if they want to get Connor Bedard, they're they're playing responsible hockey. Luke Richardson might be a better coach than anybody imagined. This is a team that's at this point of the season, with or without Kaner, they're playing pretty well. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to Luke Richardson and how much they, they really like him as a coach and how hard they play for him. The one thing I will say, obviously, after that win against San Jose, the Blackhawks fell to the fourth worst uh, points percentage in the NHL and, and San Jose slipped to third. But 
if we are going into the trade deadline, if I'm looking at those teams, I'm looking at Anaheim and Columbus specifically because it feels like Chicago and San Jose are kind of jockeying for what, the third position. Columbus and Anaheim, they, they are really, really bad teams, and they don't have a ton of pieces that they're going to be able to subtract from the roster. Like I know Anaheim has John Klingberg, and they might move John Gibson, but it, it's not it's not enough. At, like The Blackhawks subtracting Patrick Kane from Chicago is a significantly – uh, worse loss than Anaheim losing any of their guys. So it feels like Chicago might, you know, <laughs> drop the pack right after the Kane trade or, or when it happens. Um, so I think the, the Blackhawks have a, I want to say an opportunity to fall farther in the standings. But when you subtract Kane from Chicago, it's a much bigger loss than, say, John Klingberg from Anaheim. Well, I, I saw a tweet from somebody um, Last night, the first time since 2004, that's 19 years, the Blackhawks played a game without Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Duncan Keith, or Brent Seabrook. Those other guys aren't coming back, apparently, so <laughs> get used to it. <laughs> yeah, no, really, and it's it's kind of crazy to think about. And I, I was thinking about this, too, just thinking of all the core players that have left. It, it's been like a really slow process, right? Like where Patrick Sharp gets traded to Dallas, then – you know, a couple of years later, it's it's uh, Nicholas Jalmerson and Marion Hosa retire, and then it's right. Brent Seabrook right. leaves, and then Corey Crawford. Retire. It's very it's it hasn't hit you like a wave. It's just kind of one by one, they're slowly dropping off. So now the fact that we've probably seen the last game for for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves playing on the ice together, um, it's just kind of cra- crazy to think about. All those other guys, they were moves, and they were big moves, and they were ones you remember. But this one hits different. This one is is significant because of what Patrick Kane has meant to that organization in this city. And I think that when you trade him, you're going to have to find a good reason to watch the Hawks. I mean, he was that reason for a lot of people for so many years. After Even after they uh, were competing for cups, Patrick Kane was different, and I think that's what makes this week difficult to kind of process. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually trying to contextualize the the, the meaning of, of losing Patrick Kane and David, I was going to accuse you of stealing my computer because that's exactly what I have in my, my piece, that this, this is the move that's going to hit differently. Uh, Patrick Kane moving on from Chicago. Like, it feels like this is going to be the end of an era when he's no longer with the Blackhawks. So it's definitely a different type of uh, feeling when 88 is going to be no longer here. And, and you know, I, I wonder if this guy is a good coach because there is a five-game winning streak. They have been, whatever, 6-3-1 and one in the last 10. They, they actually they beat some good teams. They've, they've looked like a pretty decent team, and you you got to wonder, if, is, is he coaching well enough to win? Is he better than their situation? <laughs> they probably hired him a year too early, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, he, he's exact. I mean, because he really is the. I, I know when Kyle Davidson was going through this process of hiring a head coach, he said like, "We don't want a stopgap coach that gets. We don't want a Dennis Savard to get us to a Joel Quinville, right? Like, we want to find the guy that's going to be here through the rebuild, and also on the other side of it, when the Blackhawks are good again. And so it appears. I mean, he he really is pushing all the right buttons on a team. I mean, what other team can you think of that? They lose Patrick Kane. They sit Sam Lafferty. They have to go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen. And then they, they're dealing with injuries where Max Domi loses some teeth and Cole Gutman got hurt in the third period. And they, they still find a way to, to beat San Jose in San Jose on Patrick Marlowe night. I mean, 
it was a, it was pretty, it was pretty, it was a really gutsy effort. So, and I really do think it's a testament to the coach. Good stuff, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, guys. That's Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. Absolutely amazing. That's, that's rough. Hey, by the way, Saturday night's game against San Jose started 40 minutes late because they didn't drop the puck until after a pregame ceremony for Patrick Marlowe ended. His speech was forever. It's 9.45 on a Saturday night, and they don't even drop the puck yet on the West Coast. Congratulations already. Get out. Get out. That's what Stop David, talking already. David Hall. If he was NHL commissioner. <laughs> hey, yeah, this is well, all fine and well. I, I know you weren't watching. I got to go to bed. I know you were resting up for the big boxing match, but I think that I was watching and waiting for this puck to drop, and it was 9.45. Like, all right, enough already. Well, I was resting up for the uh, Caribou Cup final, pal. Yeah, that's right. That's why I'm wearing my jersey. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Interesting and difficult time for you as you make a decision. The whole hockey world is kind of waiting and wondering. Have you made a decision about possibly moving on? And can you break some news for us right here on television? <laughs> Sorry, I got nothing for you. I mean, you don't often see like a surefire Hall of Famer traded, you know. Um, you don't. I'm just trying to think of big trades recently in Chicago. Like, you know, clearly, you know, Derrick Rose was surprised when he was traded. Um, a lot of people were surprised. But he was him. done. He was, yeah, he was done. He was pretty much done. I'm just saying it was a big, it was a, it was Oh, it was like, a big deal. There's like, no wow, doubt, of, you know, there's no doubt about it. Greg Olson getting traded it was no. kind of a lopsided deal. I'm just saying, former first round pick. Are you talking I remember, about? Remember when I was a kid, they traded Wally Chambers. And he was like a Pro Bowl player, and I think they got, I think they got the pick they used on Dan Hampton in return. So that was a great, great deal. Trade. You remember that one? I don't think there's anything comparable other than the day the Cubs purged them, their organization was, by trading. That was huge. Rizzo, Bryant, Javi, the crying hugs, and, and you, that long goodbye is something that I think is yeah. is comparable because of the fact that you were. Getting rid of players who were part of a championship, and with Patrick Kane, you're trading a player who defined an era. You know the the Blackhawks between 2010 and 2015 was they they were a mini dynasty, and it all started because Patrick Kane arrived. And this is his 16th season and good old number 88, and he did things on the ice that we had never seen before, and he continues to play at that high of a level at times. But I think that. When you talk about moving on from Patrick Kane, it is different because it hits differently because it it is mm. entirely different than any other trade you can really look at individually uh, a standalone deal. And so, I think that this is inevitable. It's unfortunate. It's the way pro sports work these days. But uh, you don't have to like it to understand it. I mean. Normally, when you think of trades, you don't think of like when you moved like a great player. You think like when you brought in like whether it was a good trade or a bit like what did the Bears trade for uh, Rick Meyer, right? Don't we remember that as like a terrible draft picks? But like I I think they traded the first round pick. Yeah, 
Right. I'm just saying, like you remember those busts? are one those yeah, are okay. those are deals that stand out uh, in your mind. Jimmy Butler was traded at the at the height of that's his a, well, Jimmy Butler Bulls was success. really good. Yeah. So I think that's the that's one on, on draft good, night yeah. in terms of when you're when you're making a trade that affects the balance of power in the yeah. league. I think that trade, you know, that was one of several stops for Jimmy Butler before he landed with the Heat and made them what they are. But that was a big trade on draft night for the Bulls. Um, the Frank Bears, Thomas, even though he didn't play the year before the trade, right? Well, he was a he he signed with the A's as a free agent. Oh, he so did. Okay. He was let loose. Kind of, he was he did the Wilson Contreras route. He was let uh, they they escorted him out of town with a hug, grudgingly. <laughs> See you, Frank. Wilbur Marshall, the guy says he'll never forget. Oh, Wilbur Marshall. I need to yeah. look up the specifics I, there. I know, but still that. You, you can never replace the status of being an 85 bear. Yes. But that was one championship. Yeah, but Patrick Kane won three and he was MVP. Well, I, I listen, I'm not comparing it to Kaner. I'm just talking about that's a big one. We're talking okay. about trades yeah. that stand out in people's minds. How about uh, any any other Cubs trades besides the, 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 the big ones at the deadline? Anybody else they get rid Well, tra- Greg Maddox was not a trade. No, again, that was a free boy, agency. That, that I mean, that's a good example of like a really bad move that you remember because it was a terrible move. You're right, though. You remember the bad trades. Right? You remember. You, you remember, remember the busts. You know, trading up to get Mitch. You remember that more than Cutler. you remember. You know, that was Cutler seemed like that, a decent trade. And in fairness, they did end up in an NFC Championship game. It never paid off in the way you thought it would because the Bears aren't allowed to have nice things. <laughs> right. Because, but that was a trade that initially created euphoria. Yeah. This is a trade with Kane that's going to create this sort of irrelevance. Yeah. Because the Hawks are going to fall off the map. You know, it's interesting. Like, how do you get Kane? How did you get Taze? How did you build that team? Someone says the Chelios trade. That's mm. an interesting one. That's an interesting point. Because he was a really good player at the time you He was. I look him. forward to talking to Chelly on Wednesday about all this because yeah. Yeah. he can – he can relate to it in ways that we can't. And, and I know that some people may push back and say, well, you know what? The Hawks already are irrelevant. In a way, that's true. They've been through a lot as an organization. They have cleaned out everybody associated with the scandal, but they have started to build their way back. The one thing that made them worth watching to me, and I'm, you know I'm a hockey guy. I love hockey. It's my son loves hockey. Yeah. It was Patrick Kane. Going to the game with my son last Sunday, it was like, all right, they have a lot of guys that you kind of know, and they're on the way and whatever, and there was Kaner. And you, you wanted him to entertain you in a way that he did. Dennis Savard was a trade. Ooh. I like that's going way back. I got to see what that that's that's probably as close. Dennis Savard yeah, because of what made he, hockey yep. interesting in this town for a number of years. He really did. He was that kind of player. He was the reason you bought a ticket. I agree. And I think that's a good comp because that is Patrick Kane. Right. He's but, the reason you go, he's the reason you watch. This is the end of an era. This is the, I mean, you know, I don't know about Jonathan Taze, what his future is. Yeah, I mean, like Lou Brock. I don't remember any of that stuff, and I don't know that that was anything, you know what I mean? Like, I know that was a bad deal, but that, I don't know what they got and why. I'm not sure that was even front-page news. It might have been. I, I don't even, I mean, certainly. Below the was, fold. Certainly talk radio didn't. Certainly talk was. radio. Since there was none. 312 644 6767. Looking for your. Uh, what is this like? Losing Kaner. Is there, does anything come to mind? Mully and Hall on the score.